refreshments afterwards. And then just one more thing, and it's one that I think the kids really enjoy as well. We have a Forest Fold Beach Day, which is coming up um, on Saturday, the, the 1st of July, so it was two weeks yesterday. So I really encourage you to come along to that. You know, it's a really good time, especially if the weather's good, to, to come along, bring a picnic. Um, we get together, we have fun, the kids go in the sea, we play games on the beach, and it's a really good time to get together as a church in an informal um, place and to really have good fellowship together. So that is the um, 1st of July. I've just got um, a, one verse that I'd like to read now, and I was thinking about what Mark was um, speaking about this morning. It was really encouraging, wasn't it, to what we were hearing about, but a real challenge as well, how we come and how we worship. And don't we want to worship like they were worshipping, what Mark was talking about today? And it was even that story that Mark said at the end about how um, they wanted to pray for the Americans, but the Americans, you know, were put in their place. They wanted to pray like that, the, the others, but... I wanted to read from Colossians 3, verse 16, and it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. I just want to read it again. Is this how we've come here this evening? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And with that in mind, should we sing our first um, song this evening? Um, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. And please stand when the music starts.
Well, this evening we have um, four different readings, and it's not going to be a particular text tonight. Um, It's going to be on a theme, and the theme that Mark will be speaking on this evening is our Heavenly Father. So we're really looking forward to to what Mark has to say. But there's going to be four different um, passages that we'll be reading from. Um, The first passage will be be up on the board on the screen, but if you're following along in your Bibles, you can find it on page um, 1022, and it's in 1 John 3, verses 1 to 2, so page 1022 if you're following with your Bibles. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, what we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And our second reading is in Galatians 4, and it's uh, verses 1 to 7. You can find that if you're following in your Bibles on page 974. So Galatians 4, verses 1 to 7. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of God into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And our third reading is in Hebrews, and it's um, chapter 12. And we're reading from verse 5 through to 11, and that can be found on page 1009. So Hebrews 12 and verses 5 to 11. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do you not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him? For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is the discipline that you have to endure God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and life? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And our final reading can be found in Matthew chapter 6, and it's um, verses 9 through to 13, and that can be found in your Bibles on page 811. So Matthew 6, verses 9 through to 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And we look forward to to Mark as he comes to speak to us in a moment on on those passages and this theme of our Heavenly Father. But before then, should we come to God now? Should we bow our heads and should we pray to God? Heavenly Father, how amazing it is that we can bow our heads and we can come and pray to our Heavenly Father. We come to a Heavenly Father who cares for his children, who cares for his people. Lord, whether we're here in Crowborough or on the other side of the world, if we put our trust in you, we can call you our Father. Lord, we thank you so much that you are a Father that shows such love and such compassion to your people. There is no Father that can be found on this earth that loves like you do, that forgives like you do, that has the power to forgive us of our sins like you do. 
Lord, we just come before you so humbly, yet we so often fail you and let you down in the way that we act and the way that we behave. Lord, sometimes we just feel so far away from you and we just feel so ashamed to to come back to you for the things we have done. Yet we are told, if we put our trust in you and ask forgiveness for our sins, they are forgiven, never to return again. And we thank you so much for that love and that compassion and that promise that you have made to your people. Lord, as we come here this morning and this evening, we just really do pray, Heavenly Father, that you would be with us now. We pray that you would help us to to be attentive to the message that is being spoken this evening. We pray that your Holy Spirit will be working in and amongst this congregation here and those listening online, helping them to understand these wonderful passages that we'll be going through this evening about our Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you so much that, that we can come here week by week and we can hear messages about who and what you have done for us Lord, it is so amazing to know that we have such um, a, a loving Father in heaven that takes care of his people. Heavenly Father, we think about the most amazing gift that you have given us of all, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, that if it wasn't for you sacrificing your Son here on earth for us, Lord, we could not come to you now and speak to you and call you our Father. We thank you so much for the way that Jesus conducted himself wise here, how he taught how he went about speaking to people. We thank you so much that it didn't matter who you were or where you were from, from what creed or nation you were, Jesus would speak to the, to the poorest, the lowliest, the highest and the mightiest, the youngest or the oldest. And he spoke in love and he spoke in truth and he showed them the way to have their sins forgiven, Lord. And we thank you so much for that. We thank you so much that your kingdom is for all people. We thank you so much that it's not just for those that think that they are are righteous in their own sight. We thank you so much that it's the people that are full of sin, that are filthy in your sight, yet have been made whiter than white by the blood of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we, we really come before you this morning and we have so much to be thankful for and to pray to you about. We think of this morning again, how we saw the children come into Sunday school. We saw the teenage, the young adults come into Rooted, Lord. Week by week, it is such an amazing thing to see, Lord, that these, these children, these um, young adults, want to come, want to hear your word. They want to be taught, they want to learn, they want to listen, they want to sing. But we pray that these messages that they're hearing, these lessons that they're being taught, will really be of impact in their lives and that they will be life-changing. But we know that it's not the teachers, no one saying anything to them that can change their lives, but it is only you working through your Holy Spirit in their lives that can change them. And we just pray week by week that your Holy Spirit will work in and amongst all the work down here. And as we think about the young children and young adults, we think about um, the First Steps group as well. And we thank you so much for the, for the time and effort that everyone puts in for that group there. Lord, it has been so wonderful to hear about how many um, parents are bringing their children down to this uh, place here on a Thursday. But again, the same prayer is for, for lives to be changed. We just pray that those parents that come, who hear simple gospel messages spoken to the children, simple songs that are sung, that you would work through your Holy Spirit in those talks, in those songs, and bring people to know you. We thank you so much again that it is you that works in people's lives and changes them. And we just pray that that lives will be changed, that parents will um, come to know you, that the children as they grow will come through the Sunday school and into Rooted, but most importantly, will grow to know and love you too. We think about Mark this week as he goes to Groombridge, um, to that assembly on Thursday. And what a blessing that is, that we're able to go into assemblies to, to talk about you and to give a gospel message. And we pray for Mark as he goes in. We pray that you would give him um, wisdom, give him power as he speaks to those children. And again, we pray that the message might be impactful on all those that hear it. And we just ask God that if it's in your will, that you'd open up more opportunities to get into these schools, to talk to these children. It is so important to to get alongside children and young adults um, in early stages in their lives, Lord, to tell them the truth about you. Lord, there is so much that is going about in this day and age, so many things that they're reading about and seeing on their phones that that are so far away from what you are all about and what we believe in as Christians, Lord. And we just pray that, that you would work in their lives before they are drawn away from you. Draw them back to you, we pray. 
shine your light into their lives. Lord, much of the stuff that has been seen and been spoken about on these social media networks is in such darkness compared to the light that you shine and the good news of the gospel. Lord, we come before you and we pray for any that are, are sick and they're hit, uh, ill at this time. We, we just really do pray that, that you would come alongside them and comfort them and heal them and bring them back safely. There are many um, elderly folk that are not able to get here um, into our building anymore. Lord, they're in um, homes at the moment and we know that they listen online and they're not forgotten. They've been such um, great witnesses over the many, many years in this church. They've helped so many people and we thank you so much that they still pray consistently and fervently for this church here and we just thank you so much for their prayers and their love that they show to our church here even though they cannot be with us. We pray Lord God as well for for any of those still that are, are suffering losses Lord not just um, in recent times, but in years gone by, Lord, there is still many that, that grieve and um, are saddened. We think about Father's Day today, and we're thinking about our Heavenly Father, and there are many that have lost um, fathers, and we just pray for any of those that are still feeling that hurt and um, that suffering at this time. We pray that you would come alongside, comfort them, we pray. There are many words that we can say, but it's nothing in comparison to the comfort that you can give. So, Lord God, be with us now as we continue to sing and pray to you. Lord, we just pray that each one of us here in this building would want to come in a real sense of worship um, and reverence to, to really worship you this evening. I hope that you can help us and help us to listen and to understand all that Mark has to say to us now. And I pray that you'd be with Mark. We thank you so much for what we heard this morning from him. We thank you so much for all that he does, whether it's in the YPs group or action or preaching to us. And again, we just pray that, that as he comes up here to speak, we will see that it is you speaking through Mark and using him for your glory. Amen. We're going to sing um, two songs now before Mark comes up to um, speak to us on those passages. Um, the first uh, song we're going to be singing is All Praise to Him, the God of Light. And then um, the song after that, our third song will be How Deep the Father's Love for Us. So when the music please stands as we sing All Praise to Him, the God of Light, who formed the mountains by His might.
Well, this week uh, I read a bit of Isaiah 49, particularly verse 15. And in it we see the mother-like love that God has for us. God's love is like the love of a, a mother nursing a child, strong and unconditional. Uh, but even nursing mothers forget their children sometimes, and yet God never forgets. God's love is uh, unfailing, unconditional. And for a few moments, I wondered if that would be a good theme for this evening. Something we need to keep hearing, isn't it? And then I remembered that it was Father's Day. And that thinking about a mother's love on Father's Day might seem a little bit strange. So instead, what we're going to do is reflecting on God as our Father. I don't think there'll be a huge amount that I say tonight that'll be groundbreaking for many of us. It's a theme that many of us know. But on a Father's Day, the aim is to remember, celebrate, honour, be thankful for good fathers. And my prayer for us both this evening and actually all through this week as well, is that we'll particularly remember and be able to celebrate and be thankful for the fatherhood of God. In previous weeks, we've looked at the different attributes of God, or some of them anyway, and there's so many that are so good to spend time focusing on, studying. But this week, I think it would do us good to particularly reflect on God as our Father. I know for some that will be easier than for others. Some of you don't have physical fathers, and for you that is a cause of real sadness for you. Others of you have had or have fathers who have not loved you as they should have done, who have not accepted you, not delighted in you as they should have done, not affirmed you. Maybe they've been overly critical. Maybe they even harmed you in some way. And so for some, it is difficult to picture God as a loving father when their view of a loving father is so warped. And I think it's fair to say in society and in the media as well, there's been such an erosion of what a good father is that many now have lost that sense of what true fatherhood is. But I want to share with you tonight about God, our true father, that each of us can know. Matthew 5.48 describes him as the perfect father. He's the, the one who shows us what true fatherhood is. However good fathers can be or have been, they can never compare to the goodness and the wonder of God. And so my hope for each one of us tonight is that actually each one of us will be able to delight in and enjoy the thought of having God as our father. Because actually it's a life-changing thing when we really get to grips with what this is all about. So I want to start saying a little bit about God as our Father, and then I want to share three brief things that I'm thankful for, and maybe we should all be thankful for, and celebrate about God. So just a question really first. Is God our Father? Is God our Father? Is God the Father of everyone here? Well, in one sense, yes. He created us. We all come from him. He's the one who gives us life. This year on camp, we're looking at Acts 17. And in Acts 17, Paul, at one point, he agrees with the poets that are there. And he says, yes, we are indeed all of God's offspring. There's a sense in which all of us are God's children because he made us. And all of us are made in God's image. So sadly, obviously, that's been so distorted by sin. So in one sense, we are all children of God because he made us. But actually, in a much more important way, God is not a father to everyone. Because it's only through Jesus that we can know God as our father. It's only through Jesus that we can have that intimate relationship with God. In 1 John 2, Verse 23, it starts off this way, no one who denies the Son has the Father. So if you're not following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then God is not your Father. 
You have no relationship with him. But if we place our trust in Jesus, that is how we can know God as our Father. Because it carries on that verse, whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. See, if we follow Jesus, if we accept him as Lord, then we have the God our Father. It is through Jesus and Jesus alone that we can truly know God as our Father. If you don't know God as your loving Father, that is what I long for you. It's what I pray for you, that you'll know him as your Father. And you know what? Amazingly, that's what God longs for you too. He wants to be your Father. He wants to know us intimately. He doesn't want to be distant like the gods were in ancient Greece that Paul was talking about. No, the God of the universe who holds the stars in his hands, he wants to adopt us into his family so that he can become our legal father. And then what he does is he gives us his spirit so that we can know that we are his children, as Martin said this morning. It's not that God kind of deals with us as his children because he kind of has to. He chose us because he wants us. That is the wonder of what Jesus has done for us. This is Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. It came up as part of one of the readings. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. God sent Jesus so that we can be adopted as sons. You know, the Old Testament actually says very little about God being father. God being a father to the people of Israel is mentioned 15 times, just 15 times. The greater emphasis really on the Old Testament is of God's holiness, of God's awesomeness, and of our unworthiness. That, that separation between us and God, that's kind of the, the real emphasis of the Old Testament. And it humbles us, rightly. But in the New Testament, which is much shorter than the, the Old Testament... We see God described as Father 245 times. 245 times. Jesus really wants us to understand this, that he came so that we can know God as our Father. It's really important to him. J.I. Packer writes this in his book. I referenced this a couple of weeks ago. Well, the book anyway. This is what he writes. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity... Find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctly Christian as opposed to merely Jewish, is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. I like that, don't you? Father is the Christian name for God. But there are two dangers that we can come across as we think of God as our Father. The first one is that we can simply become too used to it. I think a lot of us might be in danger of this. We've heard it so many times before. Maybe even in primary school we're used to saying, aren't we, our Father who art in heaven so used to it, we've lost that magnitude of what is going on here. God is a consuming fire. Angels cover their faces before him, and yet he chooses to become our father. We should have a sense of awe that God chooses to be our father. But the other danger is that we don't believe that we can call God our father. We simply don't feel worthy of it. Those of us who were here at the prayer meeting on Thursday night heard Keith as he shared a little bit about God as our father. And he shared the story of two pastors, I believe. And one of them said to the other, he said, I could never call God father. It's just too familiar, too casual. So when he prayed, he would use words like eternal and sovereign and great Lord God. Those are great words. Of course they are. But if we're Christians, we get to call him Father. That's what God wants. He's glorified as we find our security and joy and trust in him. 
This is what John Calvin said. He was a French theologian from the 16th century. He said, with what confidence would anyone address God as father? Who would break forth into such rashness as to claim for himself the honour of a son of God? Unless he had been adopted as children of grace in Christ. Who would be so mad as to call ourselves children of God? How on earth could we call God our father? Unless we've been adopted as children of grace in Christ. This last week I watched a video on the Random Acts YouTube channel. It's a great channel, actually, I enjoy it. They do basically random acts of kindness for people they believe deserve it. It's quite fun. And in the episode that I watched, the woman that they were surprising was actually uh, adopted. And she told them that she was adopted, but she also said that she had a biological dad that she'd only just recently heard from. And she was desperate to meet him. Uh, But it had been impossible, you know, he was a long way away and it just wasn't possible at the moment. What she hadn't realised is that the Random Acts team already knew about this and they had secretly flown him in and so he was in the room next door and uh, suddenly they tell her, your dad is next door and uh, her eyes light up and as he walks in, this grown woman just shouts out, Daddy, Dad! And they just have this incredible hug and uh, quite a lot of them are quite emotional, I will warn you. But he's been searching for her for years. And he found her and they hug. You know, when God is our father and when we delight in him, it makes us both very happy. Imagine if you could write a Father's Day card to God. What would you write in it? It's not actually a bad idea to do. Sometimes it helps us to to write down things. What would you write if you were going to write a Father's Day card to God? Maybe you could do it tonight. Well, there are three things that I'm going to mention briefly tonight that we can be thankful for. There's many other things. Maybe you can think of all sorts. But I've picked three. The first one, his love. His love. If you're a parent, you'll know the love that you felt for a newborn baby... It's a taste of how God feels about us. When Jesus is praying in John 17, he prays that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. He wants us to know that the Father loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. He loves us in the same way that he loves his perfect, obedient, only begotten Son. At the beginning of 1 John 3, John says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. We sang, didn't we, how deep the Father's love for us. When we think of God's love, one of the first things I think of is uh, the Father running to his returning prodigal son in Luke 15. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Thoroughly undeserved. Thoroughly unmerited. But this father, he runs towards his son and he sees past the filthy state that his son's in. He sees past all the the disobedience and the rejection. And he hugs him. And he not only accepts him, but he welcomes him back for a party. You know, if you're a Christian here tonight, or you're watching online, you know, you are more loved than you can ever imagine. And I suspect that a good number of us here need to hear that. For all sorts of different reasons. You are more loved than you can ever imagine. And remember this, that nothing, neither death, nor life, nor angels, 
nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's one thing to thank God for, for his great love for us. But also we can thank him for his provision, providing things for us. One of the key things that a good father does is to provide for their children. God delights to provide for us. You know, at the start of the Lord's Prayer, what are we told to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven. And then a bit later, give us this day our daily bread. You know, there's millions of people all around the world who pray. People from every country, people from cultures, different religions. Millions of people around the world pray. But it's only Christians who can pray our Father. You know, we have a God who is both powerful enough to hear and answer our prayers, powerful enough to give us everything we need, and yet also intimate enough to know us and to know our every need. Matthew 6 reminds us, doesn't it, therefore do not be anxious, saying what should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. God knows what we need. We need to seek him first. He will provide for us. In the next chapter, in Matthew 7, Jesus points out that even human uh, parents, which are far from perfect, even they know how to give good gifts. Many of you parents here, you know how to give good gifts to your children, don't you? How much more will God give? Give good gifts to those who ask him. We need to remind ourselves, don't we? God doesn't always give us what we want. He doesn't always give us what we want when we want it. But he will give us what we need. Because he cares for us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God provides all your needs? Sometimes it's easier than other times, isn't it? But God is still the same God. You know, whatever we're going through, God is still the same God. One of the best things about being in God's family is that we can cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father isn't just about uh, being able to call God Dad. It's a, it's a cry a child makes when they're in need, when they need something from their father. And we have access to God at all times. We can cry out, Abba, Father. He loves it when we cry out to him, when we place our trust in him for things. Pastor uh, Tim Keller, who sadly died a few weeks ago, he once said this, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3am for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. The only person who dares wake up a king at 3am for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. He's our Father. One of the questions we need to ask ourselves is, do we use that enough? It's so easy, isn't it, to exhaust every other uh, opportunity to kind of solve the problem that we've got. Do we pray first, knowing that our Heavenly Father knows what we need and will give it to us at the perfect time? He's already given us, hasn't he, the greatest provision that he could ever give us, his Son, And what has that meant for us? We see in Romans 8, because of what he's done, we become heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. Jesus died so that we could become joint heirs with him. We will inherit God's wonderful new creation. And we will inherit, as it were, God himself. Nothing on earth can compare to the bliss and the joy that we will experience when we're in God's new creation Enjoying being in God's presence. Firstly, he gives himself to die. And then he gives us himself to enjoy. You know what would be a good activity to do? You could do this either by yourself or you could do it with your families or you could do it with like the groups that you're involved with. Is to to write down, or look back over the years and write down all the times when God has provided for you. I think back just to, you know, some of the times in YPs or Rooted or other things. 
Other times when we've, we've prayed or, or you've prayed as a church, you know, God has provided time after time. It'd be a good activity to, to write it down. It struck me as we were singing, great is thy faithfulness. I mean, I chose it for that reason, but just God's faithfulness, how he does provide for us. What prayers has he answered for you? We can thank him for his provision. And then just lastly, one that you might not expect, one that you probably wouldn't pick out. You can thank God for his discipline. For his discipline. I don't expect there were many father's cards written today. Thank him, the fathers, for their discipline. But we need it, don't we? And when it's applied well, when it's applied with love, when it's applied genuinely with the interests of the child at its heart, it's a very good thing. Children don't always enjoy it, if you're parents, you know that very well. But it provides security for them. It helps them respect you as parents. It shows them boundaries. It can help shape uh, shape their character for the rest of their life. And in fact, God says in one of those readings that we read, if God disciplines us, it's a good thing because it shows that we are his children. God disciplines us because we are his children. A wise pastor once said, it's when your father stops disciplining you that you know you're in real trouble. This is what it says, Hebrews 12 Starting from verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. See that God disciplines us because he loves us. He says in verse 10 that he does this because he wants us to share in his holiness. And then in verse 11, he says it's painful for a moment as we're reading it. Um, it, it talks in it about not being painful, not being, uh, not being pleasant. It's not pleasant, but it leads to the peaceful fruit of righteousness. It leads to the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Andrew Wilson points out that people uh, who do not face discipline become like lepers, unable to feel pain resulting from their behaviour. And end up destroying themselves and others. He said this as well. He said, if God never disciplined his people, they would have slid into idolatry and never come out. Thought about that? It's part of the whole purpose of the exile was to bring his people back to him eventually. We saw that this morning, didn't we, actually, in Nehemiah 8. You see how they're stirred up to worship? Well, it's because of God's discipline. So God must discipline his children because he has such a strong fatherly love for us. It's just too strong to to just let children go and find danger. You know, it may be that God disciplines us. It may be that God takes away something that we love because it is not good for us. He may put us through trials and hardship because... We need to learn to trust in him again. We need to know how much we need him. But sometimes as well, he puts us through hardship or trial, not because we've done anything wrong, but to help us grow, to help us learn obedience, to become disciplined. So when we think of discipline, there is that sense of disciplining a child if there's done something wrong, but there's also that training someone up in discipline. When you think of sportsmen and women, the, the top sportsmen and women have to be incredibly disciplined, don't they? They have to train so much. And this is what God does with us. He trains us up. He disciplines us in our life so that we can be the best we can be, so that we can be holy, so that we can be fruitful. And if you don't think you need that discipline in your life, well, even Jesus needed it talks in Hebrews 5 about even Jesus had to learn obedience through suffering. 
It doesn't mean that he was disobedient before that, but it means that he had to go through difficult things to, to learn obedience in it. But you know, whatever God gives us, and for whatever reason, it is always for our good. It is always filled with a heart of love. It's always designed, if it's disciplined, to bring us back on course so that we're satisfied in him alone. And it's something that we should be thankful for, even if we don't always feel it. We should be thankful for God disciplining us, for God training us to save us from running off into danger, running away from him and being lost for all eternity. So maybe a slightly strange one to finish. But those are good things to thank God for. There's so much more that could be said, but hopefully that's just helped us this evening just think a little bit about the fatherhood of God. Maybe it'd be good to think about one of those things, two of those things, maybe all of those things. As you go into this week, hold on to those things, thank God for them, and maybe particularly reflect on them this week. Well, we're going to sing again now. We're actually going to sing uh, the same song that we sang at the end of Thursday evening. Some of us have sung before, but it's such a, a good one. It won't do us any harm if we sang it on Thursday. And for those who didn't, well, enjoy the, the words as we uh, place all these things into our Father's hands. So let's uh, stand and sing when the music starts. thank you that through Jesus, Lord, we can claim you as our Father. Lord, as outrageous as that sounds, Lord, we thank you that we can. Lord, I pray for any here who don't know you as their Father, Lord, that they would, that they would place their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, and that they would know the wonder of having the, the Lord of creation as their Father. And Lord, I pray that your fatherhood will be something that's special to all of us this week. Lord, I thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you for your provision. I thank you for your discipline. And Lord, I pray that as we reflect on these things, Lord, that we would be very thankful for who you are as the perfect father. So Lord, we do pray that you be with us 
Keep us safe until we meet again in Jesus' name. Amen.